Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. We're going to talk about it. Hmm? We're going to talk about it today. It's the thing that made you close with your grandmother. It's the shows that made you go ahead and be more interested in. It's the soap proper with the plot twist that you like, mm, and you want to go ahead and talk about with your friends. It's the thing that makes it a uh, communication between most of your associates and most of your family members. It's the thing. It's the thing. It's the thing. You want to know what I'm talking about? I'm glad you asked. Um, gossip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. Do not hang up this phone. I'm not playing with you. We're going to go ahead and talk about it. Listen, gossip, okay? We need to go ahead and discuss it in its depths. And I'll tell you where this came from. So I don't know if I told you yet, but I, you should have been listening to the last conversations in with a, a tent, okay? Uh, I did get a new job. Yay! Freedom! Freedom, freedom. You see the confetti and the balloons and all that falling on me? That's what happened. So I got a new job, and I'm super excited about it. And I'm smelling so hard that my cheeks just made per charges on me. You feel me? But I got asked a very, very interesting question on my final interview. The question that was asked was, my position has a lot of information. You know, confidentiality is at its core, and I'm great at keeping that. But there was a two-part question. One, how would I handle when someone in the community has a question in regards to something they may have seen or, you know, what have you um, at the facility? And so what would my answer be? And I pretty much was like, oh, there's no soft way to do that. It's not, well, you know, I'm not obligated. It's, listen, confidentiality laws prevent me from giving any information on said situation but I appreciate your heart and I see that um with you anchoring but at this time I can't share that with you like there's no soft way to like no it's not no oh I hope you don't see me in Walmart if you see me that's cool but you're not getting nothing out of me have a nice day but then the second part of that question was how do you handle when employees want to gossip with you uh, and still keep on task of the things that you have to do while also keeping up staff morale. Because she identified that people that was in the position prior to me, it just seems because this position is the nectar of getting the juice, if you will, and that's why confidentiality was super important to them, that other employees seem to gravitate to whoever was in this position. And so she wanted to know, how do you handle gossip? And I answered with the only thing I know how to do, which was truth. I said, listen, gossip is a personal thing that you bring to your professional life. I mean, point blank, the period, right? Whatever you don't do in your personal life should really just transfer over to what you don't do in your professional. I don't gossip in my personal life. I don't have friends that I call up and it's like, you heard about such and such. Like, we don't do that. I think everybody is super grown, and at this point, we are not entertained by anyone else's poor decisions, um, downfalls, whatever. It's just not entertainment. I don't turn on – my phone bill doesn't get paid for me to get turned on to other people's lives. Like, I'm not interested in that. And so what I said was – I know you was like, 
Did you say that to her? No, I didn't. But I did say the portion in regards to whatever you practice in your personal life, you do bring over to your professional. And it's not something that I do in my personal life. So I don't care to do it in my professional. And in my own little way, I will let the my colleagues know, hey, <laughs> let me get back to my task real quick, talk to you on Sunday. And just kind of, you know, dodge in my own little way without making it sting. And eventually what will happen is, I'm starving what I don't want to feed. And so eventually you'll go feast on someone else. Eventually. And that's the answer that I gave. And that's the truth. But it was amazing to me that that was one of the things that she was like, I have to ask. Uh, I can't honestly say that I've had anyone ask me that in a interview of any sort. And I was like, you know what? That is actually something that when I get to a place that I start hiring people and doing all the things that needs to be done business-wise, that is a question that I'm going to hold near and dear. And I'll tell you why. The previous job that I had, the one that we were talking about, yes, for umpteen years and getting all the spiritual lessons and nothing professionally, was drenched in gossip. And it was a shame because it was the people who were in positions of power that had the venom and the vileness of gossip. And the one thing that I was reintroduced to, because I got to tell you, I've, I've worked from home for a little bit for a long time. I've done other things that didn't really expose me to you get the little, did you hear such and such got fired? You, you hear that in your place of business, but not to the point that it's, and, you know, such and such as husband and, and their grandfather. And it's like, oh, y'all come to work to go ahead and get juiced to the point that prior to me leaving, I had a talk with one of the compliance officers. And I'm like, hey, so what's the steps to go ahead and process a grievance? Because I already knew it made no sense talking to the HR manager about anything because she was head honcho of all things gossip. So I wasn't trying to get this to be in the buzz line. I wanted to go ahead and kill the buzz. You see what I'm saying? I'm having an issue with a certain colleague. She's out of her league and sometimes her mind with the way that she speaks. And so I need to go ahead and get this done. So I'm talking to her. Door closed situation. She opens the door to go because she printed out the process for the grievance and went ahead. And if you don't know, grievance is pretty much what steps do I take to have this investigated on a higher level so that we can come to a conclusion to get in this situation resolved. It is grieving me to be in a situation situation which is why they call it a grievance so resume so she goes and gets the paperwork from me and was like these are the steps and blah 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 someone overheard or was looking through his office door and saw her give me the form and just sent the buzz you know she she um she following the eoc and she do and i'm like i don't even know all these letters y'all talking about what are you talking about so somebody came back to me and was like what happened because such and such told me such and such and i mean that thing spread so fast faster than any news report channel i have ever turned on i was like wow that is really something and i thought back to my childhood i think it happens more with big families my grandma had nine kids who all had kids who all had kids you heard me say that before but there's this one aunt that it was like, bruh, if you don't want everybody in the family to know, you don't tell her nothing. And if you tell any anybody around you in the family, you started off with don't say nothing. You know how it goes. Listen, hello? Yeah, don't say nothing. And also, uh, asterisk, please do not tell that particular aunt because you already know how it's going to go down. Literally, like, 
you would e- you couldn't even get a chance to go tell the people you wanted to tell because she was already telling everybody. And she is she ain't hiding behind it. She my, my aunt is to the point, God bless her, that she has composition books where she writes down what you say so that when she's relaying the information, that is truth. I kid you not, I will three-way my cousin right now. I I am if I am fibbing, I'm telling you right now. That is the truth. She has slowed me down on certain things. Like, whoa, 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 you're talking too fast. And I asked her, I said, you can't hear me? And she said, no, I'm trying to write down everything that you're saying. I said, you're writing down what I'm saying? I kid you not. She said, yes, because I like my information and my source from the horse's mouth. So you know what I'm going to say on that? Praise God that she's at least trying to spread the truth. But the gospel that she's sharing is not always good news, ma'am. I don't I don't want you uh, spreading that. That's not the part that I want the family to know. Have a nice day. So what that eventually did was kind of put a little slander, a little strain, if you will, in our relationship. She wasn't the aunt that we grew up close with. My mother wasn't really close to her because of whatever her reasons were, but she did let me know, you know, I don't she talks too much. She's a gossip and I don't want to do that. I'm like, oh, okay. But I seen her every now and then have conversations with, with my aunts in passing. But that particular aunt, it was like, mm-mm, we don't rock. So that, in turn, trickled down to my relationship with her. And then once I started having all my adult experiences, I was like, bruh, now I see why she didn't talk to you. And so, but I am close to her, her children, which are my cousins, but I have to make sure that I say, do not tell your mother or she'll tell me in return and don't tell mommy. And I'm like, cool, that is understood. But I want to get to the point that we realize that gossip does that. That gossip puts a strain on relationships. Like, do we even know that we are carrying around in our mouths? You know how the Bible says, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Do you know that when you are gossiping, that you are carrying around the very thing that stabs the pulse of the relationships you want to keep? Like, do you understand what you're doing, that you are tearing down and breaking down people that if you really look at the foundational root of it, you really do care about them? You know, we may gossip about people we don't like, but you know what's amazing? We Sometimes we are faster to cut off that conversation when we, when we don't care about someone. I don't want to hear about her. I don't really, I don't rock with her anyway. Listen, God bless him. I don't care nothing about him. Just leave me alone. But when it's someone that you care about, why you have such a keen ear to it? And this is just from observation, like literally watching people do certain things. I'm like, wow, but I got a front row seat when I was at that last job. And to hear the whispers of, you know, and the director is blah, blah, blah. And I mean, to the point that the HR manager was calling other employees on her personal cell phone to relay information and feelings that she had on said situation about whatever employee. And I was just like, so let me ask you something. It benefits you more by telling someone else what you feel about someone else and the person that you're telling is really not going to do nothing else with that information except hold it? And I guess I just got to a place that that doesn't entertain me. I am no longer operating in a spirit where I want to talk just to talk. I don't even want to vent just to vent. I want to discuss to resolve. That is the place that I have graduated to. So if such and such is irritating me, I guarantee you that such and such is not going to hear it from nobody else. Such and such is going to hear it from me. 
And and it's a, it will be in a tactful way. It will be respectful, professional if we in that realm too. But whatever it is, you will always hear from me what is making me uncomfortable. I don't need no third party interpreter, anyone advocating on my behalf. I can very well talk to you myself. I don't even want, like it was a chain of command at that previous job. And it was, you know, talk to your supervisor and the supervisor would then talk to the HR person. And then the HR person would talk to the CEO. No, I don't need no one advocating for me. I went in the CEO's office myself and spoke to him. Because I don't need that in the grapevine conversation. I don't need anyone advocating my feelings because they're mine. You see what I'm saying? And it's not like I barged in and was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> New York style. You're going to listen to me, sir. It was, hey, when you get a minute, I would like a, a, a few moments of your time. I know that you're extremely busy, but I'm having a difficulty. And left it at that. But you will hear it from me. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. And I feel like maybe that's. Um, that's asking too much of some people because that requires a certain level of um, authenticity and that the pulse sometimes behind gossip is cowardness. Like it's easier to go behind somebody's back and say, you know what's happening with such and such. And just to keep your ear to the streets and kind of, and you know that's happening because it allows you to hide behind the words and the curtains of what you see, but, but that you're never going to approach, that you're never going to step to. Like, I would have appreciated the co-worker that saw me getting the paperwork if he would have came to me like, you having a problem? I just saw you get that paperwork. What happened? Oh, that's crazy. And have that kind of conversation with me. And you know what? If you need anything, I got you, blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of the day, are you just carrying conversations to carry them? Or are you carrying something because you want to support the person? I mean, it really goes to the depths of your personality and your true, the true corrosion of either your heart or your character. Like, like, time out, like, pause real quick. Think about that. How does it benefit you having any of this information in, in your directory of your brain or your emotions? How? Someone coming to you on the job, talking to you about another coworker, let's just take that example. How does that information benefit your money? How does it benefit your, your, your job load, your task? How does it benefit the work environment? How does it benefit? Now, listen. If gossip is going to pay the bills, then I would be like, okay. But there's a place for that. There's a fine-tuneness on that. It's called blogging, okay? It's called news reporting, okay? It's also called – there's other elements and in, in professionalisms that you can get into that allows you to do exactly what you do so well, except that the negativity or non-negativity, you're getting paid to do that. Do you see me staring at you? So quick question. When, when that family member calls you about that particular relative and gives you the whole earful, and, you know, and I feel this kind of way about what they're doing and blah, 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 how, how, um, how did that change your life? Do you now get emp empowered? Do you feel strengthened? Do you feel like what does that do for you outside of just giving you information that whether you heard it 10 minutes ago or not, you still have to live the life that you're living? Now, I'm not going to hold you. In New York, in my younger than days, okay, um, I held on to information that was said to me, but I held it just in case I needed to boomerang and karate chop somebody back down. Like, oh, funny how you have that to say when your baby father, you know, <laughs> you know how you can get like, ooh, you weren't supposed to know that. Yeah, I got juice on you. <laughs> like, don't let me violate you. It's, it's a New York thing. Say what you want. 
Okay, but we had that juice. And now I've just come to the point that it's like, you know what? I'm not even in that stage in my life or that space in my spirit where I want to go toe to toe and be ugly with somebody. I don't need to chop anybody with my words. For what? Let me, bro, if I got a problem with you, you're going to know that it's a problem. And if it's a problem I can't solve, I'm telling my daddy on you. That's it. I'm tired of telling on in the spirit. The end, bro. Like, it's not going to make me feel any better that I, oh, you know, oh, and another thing. And that's why you only make. And that's like, like, for what? To be honest with you, like, and this is what I said on my interview. This is the part that I actually did say. I said to her, I wish I would be concerned about other people's laundry that I don't have to wash. For what, bruh? Like, it takes a certain amount of adulting to just be like, stop somebody in in the start of it and just be like oh that's crazy god bless it but you know what i can't i can't it ain't even to the it's to the point now to be completely honest i don't even want to give an ear to it because it doesn't help where i'm going listen to me the the vehicle in which god has me traveling on how i'm wired and where he has me going requires for me to pack so lightly that i don't need the bulk rocks pebbles cranes of anyone else's issues in my vehicle and I feel like once you are made aware of something it's either one or two things you either going to store it or you going to share it and at this point uh I'm going to go ahead and make it a third so you're going to go ahead and store it you're going to share it or you're going to be a part of the solution and you know what I don't want that task I'm not sharing nothing, so have a nice day. I just, it don't do nothing for me. And I understand how God looks at gossip. So no, it's not, I'm not doing it. I'm not sharing it because uh, that's not the evangelism that I want to be in. And honestly, I have enough to do in my life. I really don't want to know what's going on with you so that I then have uh, the little prompting for me to feel like, dang, bro, now, now I want to help. Because I understand that I'm wired to be a helper. I understand that I'm wired to be an encourager. And I'm the type that if you tell me something, I'm going to want to say something to you. I remember information was given to me about someone who was having a hard time with their children's father and he's on heroin and this, that, and that. And I was like, bruh, please let me call her. And the words that was said to me was, no, you're not supposed to know. And I cannot tell you how defeated I felt. I'm like, so, so what you want me to do with this information? Like, I can't, I'm just not in that space. Like, you understand what I'm saying? It's just not there for me. And I don't understand how living this life graduating to the point that you have, you know, your brain is fully developed, so your whole frontal load and your decision-making skills are there, why you would want to hold on to any of that? Are you storing it just to store it for what? Are you sharing it just to share it for what? Are you part of the solution? Okay. And if that's something that you can commit to, then be the solution. But don't be an ear just to be an ear. Who wants to just do that? And and I couldn't for the life. I'm like, yo, wow, people still do this. I'm talking about 50, 60-year-olds just, and you heard what happened. Oh, my gosh. Let me ask you something. You get paid commission on that? So then why you doing it, bruh? I don't understand it. So I had to go to, you know, the bishop over in the New Oxford American Dictionaries and just get the the practical definition of gossip. Them people over there said gossip is 
Casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. The second definition is saying, you know, engage in gossip, and then they have the whole go look at gossip and gossiping and gossips and all of that. But it literally is you're sharing something that someone else, it's a violation. You're sharing something that somebody else probably didn't even want you to know. You're sharing something that, do you understand? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, that's a violation. Why would you take a piece of somebody's life that wasn't, legally given to you or verbally authorized to you and then give it to somebody else why would you want to do that I wish to goodness that we can see in the physical realm what we do in the spiritual realm I wish that you can see the individual stabs that you've gone on to someone like I wish that each person had a knife that was a certain color and say yours was yellow and that and you're the only person in the world that had that particular color, right? And that as people in your life passed through, you was able to identify the yellow stab marks. Yeah, they may have some blues and they may have some reds and, you know, the greenish and, the, oh, okay, great. And it may be more greens than there are the other colors, but you're able to see, oh, my gosh, I had something to do with stabbing you. Would that change the way that you look at gossip? Would that change the way that you were entertained? How old do you have to be to truly have wisdom? How much age and experience do you truly have to achieve in order to realize gossip, if that's your level of entertainment, then you're living a bored life. That if you got to know what's happening in the neighborhood and somebody else's bedroom and somebody else's whatever, that you truly aren't living a life worth living. How many birthdays have to go by before you realize you're still a kid? And that what you done, what you did in high school, you're still doing, but you made the professional facility your high school realm. Like real talk, like that should mean something to you, bruh. Like, like truly. And I'm coming at this posture that I'm coming at is because it's a disgusting trait, bruh. It's a disgusting trait. It helps nobody. Now I have a little bit of an advantage in that I'm truly a peacemaker. So it does hurt me in a different kind of way because I know that gossiping is not, it doesn't bring along any kind of peace. As a matter of fact, it is a foundational root, foundational rock, foundational concrete of the building blocks of strife. And I don't do well with strife. I want clarity in all all of my relationships. But more than that, I want other people to have clarity in their relationships. What value does gossiping hold to you that you still partake? And yeah, you may not be the person that is running around and grabbing the information, but you darn sure give a give an ear to it. You darn sure give a laugh to it, a chuckle, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. So you're entertaining it. Just because you didn't start the fire, don't neglect the fact that you're not still fanning it. And anyone that knows in order to contain the fire, you have to cut off the source. You got to cut off the oxygen supplies, so close the windows, close the doors. There is a way to cut off something. But if you are the door opening, the door opener to the gossip, guess what you just did? You helped the spread. And now when people see that you affiliate with such and such, guess what you look like now? You know, the Bible says make sure that you don't argue with fools 
because the people from afar can't tell which one is the fool. But I want to go ahead and apply the very same thing to gossip. If you hang around a gossip, guess what that makes you look like? And low key, no one is close to a gossip. It's not a, it breaks trust. It's not a solid relationship. No one has a best friend that gossips. You see what I'm like? You're like, mm mm. Because there's certain parts, if you have to kind of co- tailor your conversations with people because you can't trust and be unveiled, then why be in relationship with them? Like, real talk. Why? And we've made it cute these days where it's mm, spill tea, what's happening? You know, tell me what it is. Oh, and did you hear the tea? Yeah, we've made it cute, but we forgot it still cuts. It still cuts people. And when you are aware of that problem, it should prompt you to want to do something different. You know, always like a biblical application to these things, right? And so I went ahead and found exactly what I'm discussing with you over in Genesis 9. (laughs) This little situation with Noah, crazy. You probably heard it before, but I'm going to give it a whole brand new light through the Holy Spirit. You know, I read in the NLT version. So I'm going to start at verse 18. So Genesis 9, 18. It says, the sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. 19. So this is pause. This is pretty much after Noah built the ark and all that, right? Okay, so we're there. Resume. 19. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. Okay, Noah. 20. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. 21. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and laid naked inside his tent. 22. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. 23. Then Sham and Jepheth, his brothers, took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and back into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. 24. When Noah woke up from his stupor, shade from the bible that's fine when noah woke up from his stupor he learned what ham his youngest son had done 25 then he cursed canaan the son of ham may canaan be cursed may he be the lowest of servants to his relatives and he went on to just give all the blessings and stuff to his other sons right i'm gonna stop there do you see what ham did wrong did you did you hear what he what he did wrong like, I know you, did you envision that whole situation? So you got Noah who just did this great thing with building an ark, right? And so he pretty much has to start from scratch. So, okay, he went ahead and started a vineyard and what have you. And, um, you know, he probably was into the agriculture and before that, who knows. But any person who's into agriculture or any kind of food industry or whatever, you do what before you go ahead and give it out? You taste your own product, right? You know, outside of drug dealing, have a nice day. God bless those grandbabies. But, you know, you you kind of sample what you're doing. I want to assume that he sampled a little bit too much because <laughs> um, he was like, let me see if I made this into some wine. And he'd been in that ark so long that he was like, bruh, he forgot the potency. Okay, great. And he went ahead and took a couple of sips and was like, yeah, it's nothing. But then it chased him. 
it, it caught up. It was like, ooh, okay, Noah, I think you tipsy, sir. And he was like, you know what? Because maybe in there, and I didn't look this part up, but maybe in order to be a good vineyard or grape person that's making wine, what have you, I don't know the technical name, but maybe it's, hey, as little clothes as possible because you don't want cloths and all that stuff intertwined. You see what I'm saying? Go do a whole full bath situation so that you're not finding pieces of your Levi's and other things in the grape. That's what I want to go ahead and assume. But it was the fact that Ham... In verse 22, the Bible says that Ham saw his father naked and went outside and told his brothers, Ham, come here, sir, come here. How did that benefit you to see your father? Now, seeing your father naked in their times was an act of shamefulness. You know, nobody, even in current times, don't want to see their daddy naked because, you understand, that's disgusting. Your daddy, your uncle, any male in your family, you that's not the present you want, sir, okay? Your birthday suit is, is not a happy birthday to me, okay? All right, let's just get that imagery out of our head. But um, so you saw him, I'm talking to you, you saw your father in a, a stupor state, okay? That's what the Bible even said. And I, it was real close to stupid, but that's between the Holy Spirit and, and God, how they wanted to go ahead and conjoin that word, and that's fine. But you saw him in a place of shamefulness, and instead of correcting that, you went out and told your brothers, now, I want to believe that the Bible is strategic and how it orders the thing. And again, I didn't I didn't look this up. So I'm gonna go ahead and just speak on faith at this point. But it listed Shem, Ham and Jepheth. I would like to believe that that's the birth order in which they were born, which takes away the responsibility of maybe he was the baby of the family. He didn't know no better. This was new. I'm not sure. Maybe he never seen his daddy naked. And he was like, yeah, show. Daddy in the naked. You know, who knows? Um, you know, have, being the oldest, you kind of come with a set of skills that, you know, you can't teach the average person. You know, how, who knows? But the fact that you're the middle child gives me, no, you were old enough to know what to do. Because you went outside and you told your brothers and Shem and Jepheth without any real training, because I want to believe if you're born in the same household, you kind of have the same morals, right? And if the two of them felt like I wanted to protect daddy, then why didn't you feel like that? Why was there something in you that wanted to help spread your father's shame? Ham. Hmm? You got to speak up, sir. I can't hear you. What was it about seeing your father in shame that kind of evoked this emotion of let me go share that? What kind of personality trait sees someone in a stupor, sees someone at a downfall, sees someone at their rock bottom, and instead of doing something about it, sir and ma'am, you go and spread it? What kind of human gets entertainment by somebody else's stupor? Do you see where I'm going with that? And the fact that no one knew and had to go ahead and confirm, bro, you did that to me? Oh, I'm not, I'm not just, mm-mm, I'm not just going to deal with Ham. I'm going to curse his sons. Like, generational curses comes from gossip? That's what I just read in the Bible. Didn't you just read it with me? Why did Shem and Jepheth care more about their father? And the delicacy that they took is just overwhelming. It literally said they, they took a robe 
So they took what they had, held it over their shoulders, backed into the tent to cover their father. But as they did this, they looked away. They covered their father and still kept his name and his shamefulness intact. Do you have it in you to make sure that when you are seeing something that needs correction, that you're making sure that I'm going to keep your dignity intact. I'm going to keep your legacy intact. I'm going to keep your reputation intact. I'm going to keep your character intact because what this one situation is doing, I can go ahead and stop it before it becomes an infestation on your reputation. Do you see what I'm saying? And I was going to go the whole route of, you know, looking up gossip and because you can go up yourself and put gossip Bible verses in the Bible. Matter of fact, we can just do a few because I know let's just go ahead and do it with plan, okay? And this one that I looked up is an openbible.info. And for whatever the reason, they have it in the ESV. E as in Edward, S as in Sam, V as in Victor version. So I'm going to read a couple but this is all from the ESV version. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as if it's the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 6.16 and 19, there are six things that the Lord hates. Huh? Oh, God, you don't like that? It irritates you? It frustrates you? No, he hates he hates seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. What does gossip do? It brings unity among brothers and sisters and families and children. And Oh, it brings discord, right? Wow. Wonder why God hates that. Hmm? Whew, that's a whole nother conversation in itself, so I'm going to move forward. Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, all, it's like the Bible be knowing, right? It's almost like the Bible be knowing. Let's go. Uh, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue or brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless, ma'am, sir. Proverbs 20, 19. Whoever goes out slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. Bruh, I can't. My pressure. Listen, you go on Bible, openbible.info, and you you do the, the gossip verses. You, you cannot, if something in you don't get stirred up where you like, you know what? I didn't even, bro, to be honest, I was just doing the little chuckles, and I just felt like if I wasn't adding to the conversation, I wasn't gossiping. No, you are helping with the discord, ma'am and sir. And I want us to get to a place that that's not our form of entertainment anymore. That we are not entertained by someone else's stupor. I hate the fact that we, we, that it's even still a thing. It bothers me. 
You, you know when them people came and brought that woman um, to Jesus? Remember that one time he was writing on the floor? And it was like, Jesus, we found the woman and she's committing adultery, bruh. And God, get her. And, and let's kill her. Let's pick up the stones and let's stone her, Jesus. And Jesus was like, all right, so the one who doesn't have any a sin, you know, you cast the first stone. And they were like, no. Like, hit you with the Homer Simpson real quick because they like, oh, we just thought that you was going to be like, oh, she did what? With who? Where? Mm-mm. Like, you thought he was going to go the Emmanuel Hudson route? No, Emmanuel, he's different, okay? Have a nice day. And what'd he do? Just because you bought this woman and, and you you tried to go ahead and, and embarrass her and put her private business in public ears and eyes, why did you think that God was going to cater to that? What you thought? It ain't changing Bible times. It is not changing now. Bro, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of anything that God hates. I can't afford it. Mm-mm. Count me out. Cross my name off the list. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of anything that God looks down and he's like, I can't do nothing with somebody with that kind of personality, that kind of characteristic. I do not. And no, he's not a bad person. You know how I know? No, I don't have his phone number. I don't have his Instagram at handle. I don't have any of that. But you know how I know he had to be a person of some kind of character? Because the Bible says that when God was looking down to see how he can savage this whole uh, second world thing, he was looking all over and he found favor with Noah. God saw something in him. God saw that, hey, you know what? I could do something with Buddy. He's probably going to be the only Buddy that's going to build this ark for how many years it's going to take, be in this ark with all the bad move, all the noises. Listen, I couldn't even go to PetSmart. The noises at some point, you know, a pet store, have you. The zoo and not get disgusted. I smelled elephant dung in a circus. Noah, hand clap of praise. Don't know how you did it because my sense of smell could not have. I would have been, I couldn't have did it. So he had to be the only buddy that could have carried this out. Just for his son to have it documented in the Bible because of what his son did. Just for his son to go ahead and, and, and blemish his legacy. Oh, my gosh. You know, I wasn't there when the Bible was written, but I almost want to think that this part would have never been in here if if Noah didn't have to curse his son and the generations after that. You know how I know? Because um, that's how Genesis 9 ends. I think we could have, the very last verse in Genesis 9 is verse 28. And it says, Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then he died. But between verses 18 and 27 was that little bit of thing that Ham did. I think if Ham didn't do that, this wouldn't have been a part of his story. (laughs) Mm -mm. The the verse before that, verse 17, it says, And then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all creatures on earth. Then we go into... um, what no what um ham did isn't it funny <laughs> that the very people that you invest in or cater to or 
you know, raise even. It could be family. It could be someone you put underneath your wing. It could be a mentor, mentee situation. Who knows? But isn't it amazing that the one time that they could have did something to cover you, they didn't? Like, ham, hey, real talk. Like, let, let, let's have a sit down, sir. You're going to be here for a while. Um, Your father saved you from the flood, sir. Like, your daddy built the ark. That's a different type of covering. He saved your life, sir. He saves your life enough for you to have children, sir. He saved you, he covered you, and he allowed you to have a legacy. And the one time that you could have returned that in a slither of an iota of an amount, you couldn't even do it. <laughs> mm. Man, I can go on and on about this because of personal experiences secondary experiences and just knowing now I'm not I'm going to close this out by saying it's not that I'm living a holy life right it's not that I don't look at anything that looks like information or you know like listen let's just be a hundred I look at the shade room okay Hollywood unlocked okay yeah I'm on the Instagrams but my posture is different and and this is my absolute truth and you can take it or leave it I'd rather you take it I don't look at it to gossip. I look at it to encourage someone else. Why do you think in my conversations I'm always referencing something that i seen, something that I saw? That's the only time I want to either bring up somebody else's downfall or anything to the sort. But I always wait until their story looks different. I love the Robert, Robert Downey Jr.'s. Iron Man, you know his story? How he had it all, lost it, drug issues, came back. Like, bro, I love those kind of stories because it still makes people relatable. It still gives people hope. And people sometimes think that when they're going through something in their personal life that nobody else on earth is going through it. And I think sometimes, because everybody's not reading the Bible, sometimes you need real deal, oh my gosh, you too, in order to feel encouraged out of your own pit. So promise you mine is never for for gossiping purposes because I actually read some of those things like when I was reading about Tamar and what she did to herself and I was like man Tamar Braxton yeah not Tamar in the Bible Tamar Braxton when she tried to self-harm I was like I felt some kind of way because I'm like she got people who care about her she has a son she had, you know all those different things so I'm really careful on consuming too much of that I actually have it on Mondays. I don't go on social media at all because too much of that is too much of that. But it it doesn't, I don't get entertained. I'm like, ooh, did you hear? I want to see the underdog get up from under that. You understand? So my challenge to you is until you get to that space that your posture is not, I want to scratch the itch in my ears. If you can't get to a place that you're like, I want to pray for this person. I want to, and not making it look glorified, like, oh, you know, we should pray for such and such, because don't hide uh, prayer. Don't don't put gossip under the uh, shield of prayer. God still knows your heart, bro. Okay, so you can have a nice day with that. You know, we should go ahead and pray, with, pray for such and such. Oh, you didn't hear? And then that's your little silly way of getting into some gossip. Don't do that. But the true challenge is getting to a place that you no longer spread strife. And I pray that you and anyone else who knows you and is around you and whoever you feel the need to tell that you go ahead and remember that whole knife illustration that the Holy Spirit gave through me. 
Do not be a part of somebody else's stab. Do not. Because gossip is a strife. It is a relationship killer. You kill people. You kill relationships. You, you chop people down when you decide that you want to be entertained by just mouthing off and, and, and expressing things that sh- that's none of your business. Okay? Now, this is, I don't know no other way to come to you but shooting from the hip, okay? I'm, I'm a, a licensed carrier for truth. So don't at me. You have a nice day, okay? But you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that nobody else is going to have with you in this type of way because I want us to be better. And I don't want you starting to see your circle get smaller because you are the contaminate, that you are the mold, that you are the cancer. I don't want you having to be uncomfortable with people that is in your inner circle because you already know that they're a part of the mold, but you don't want to say nothing because they're fun or that you benefit from them in some type of way. That's not a quality circle, ma'am. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but that's a donut, sir. But before I keep getting irritated and roll my eyes at you, because I don't want this to be personal, um, and we not want to gossip about nobody else's grandbaby, I'm going to let you let me go, and we'll talk later, okay? No no hard feelings, you're right, but I, I feel some type of way, but I'm going to get off because behind them scriptures get me all upset, and what Ham did with his father, I'm just, I'm done. Like, people are just... I can't like how you start the second world with stupidity. I can't, I just, I gotta go. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Yeah. Later.